Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I have good hair. You do have good hair, and we're actually we're actually live at this point. So. Oh! Awesome. It's good to talk about your hair as we go into the podcast. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the, the welcome to the February edition of Three Squares, where you can clearly understand that we've been talking about Susan's hair before we go, went live. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, we are thrilled that you are with us. We've got some interesting conversation and content as always, and the wonderful quiz. We hope you can participate in. My wife and I participate in the quiz. Then after we're driving, and I. Try not to let her know that I already know the answers at that point because it was recorded. But yeah, yeah, that's okay. Anyway, I'm Charlie Arnott with the Center for Food Integrity and Look East. We are committed to helping the food system earn and maintain consumer trust. Our co-hosts here are Susan Schwally with the good hair and Kevin Ryan. And I'm Susan Schwally, not only with good hair that I'm growing out, but I have spent my career in market research working across a variety of North American clients translating into how Americans eat uh, for marketing, culinary, sales, strategy professionals. Excellent, and, Kevin. And I'm Kevin Ryan with Malachite Strategy and Research, helping CPG and food service companies at the front end of innovation. Excellent. So this month, we're going to talk about a couple of things. We're going to talk about the increased percentage of discretionary income that is now being consumed by our food budget, which is new to U.S. consumers. It's not new globally, but it's certainly new to U.S. consumers and which is causing a certain amount of consternation. And then we're going to pivot to Kevin's email and his newsletter, Food Stuff, formerly known as uh, Culture Matters. So we're going to have to do this kind of like X, formerly known as Twitter. We're going to talk about Food Stuff, formerly known as Culture Matters. Right, at least for a period of time until people um, get the hang of it. But I, I like the change. I think it's much more intuitive and consistent with the with the content of your newsletter. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But first, let's 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 spend a little bit of time talking about an article in the Wall Street Journal, and we've seen this certainly in other publications, that Americans are spending more on food as a proportion of their overall income than they have at any time in the last thirty years. That's dramatic. So, input feedback, Kevin, Susan, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, so first of all, that number is sitting at about 11. Uh, Susan, you may be on mute. We're not picking you up right now. Kevin, then you should go. So oh, Kevin, I was going to say, chime yeah, in here. I can hear her, but um, no, I mean, oh, I I'm think, not hearing him. So maybe it's me. It might be. It might be. I was going to say, I can hear my speakers. I can hear both of you. So go ahead, Susan, because I can hear you. So. No, okay. So I was going to say we're sitting at 11. No, it's all good. It's all me. It's all me. Go ahead. <laughs> Of income. And I think the last time it got close to this was the Great Recession, right? And it, that only moderates maybe a percentage point, point and a half. Um, and the reality is, is Americans are very, very good at figuring out how to make that budget work, right? So we're seeing that play out right now with the decisions people are making at the store. Um, we're seeing it with um, the latest General Mills product. Uh, Kevin, you're going to remember the name I'm not, that allows you to stretch 
um, your food and your meal, right? Hamburger Helper, new version. Plate of plenty. Um, and they're also, you know, moderating how they're using restaurants. I mean, they will cut back. They will put the brakes on um, to keep this in that 10 to 11% range. Um, so that number, I love that number, but it's not dramatic. And I think really what the crux of what's going on is, is just how painful it is for the consumer underneath that we're seeing this blame and politic politicization of um, shrinkflation right now. So it's, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. I mean, I think, you know, everyone knows that like gas prices are the thing that people pay attention to, but food prices, of course, you're going uh, once or twice a week and you, so you see it. So people are paying a lot more and it, and for a lot of folks, it's, it's obvious and it's obvious in different categories. I mean, in different income groups, you know, you pe hear people talk about it both at the grocery store as well as a Costco or anywhere else. I think the thing is, is that I think food companies are starting to get the message. You're starting to see in some of the quarterly reports uh, talking about how, you know, profits are up, but volumes down. I think they're starting to see that price elasticity starting to change uh, where they hadn't seen it before. And I think that's what that's going to do is it's either going to shove consumers more toward a private label offering, which is, of course, you know, really negative for a consumer package good company unless they have their hand in there, which many do now. Or it's going to cause them to continue to think about maybe we need to offer more deals or, you know, to change the pricing on the current stuff. So I think it definitely will. I think we've come to a, an inflection point. Yeah, I think we are. And you see some of the big CPGs starting to talk about how they're going to pivot to focusing on volume this year. Right. Versus price increase, because they're at that point where they're going to figure out if I maybe pull back, can pull back a little bit and give relief, I'll get volume up and offset. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's probably going to happen. You're absolutely right. I think we're definitely going to see that from the big players coming up because I think they really don't want to see it. And politically, I think you you definitely are going to still see that as being a hot topic. I mean, from both sides, you're going to see it come in because it is something that really sp speaks to the average consumer and the average voter. So I think you're definitely going to see folks saying that they can make it better. What's your thoughts, thoughts, Charlie, or can we hear you? Well, we can't hear Charlie now. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. All so right. like he, yeah, we'll get we'll get Charlie back here. We will. If he had my hair, this wouldn't be happening to him. Exactly. Maybe that's what it is. But yeah. you know, this and, what you know, and always say, what is the saying about uh, election years? It's the economy, stupid. And you know, to go out mm -hmm. with the message that the fundamentals in the economy economy are strong when people are feeling this dichotomy. This is the mm -hmm. perfect. This is the perfect message. Yeah, I mean, because it's how the consumer feels the economy, right? Right. I mean, and the stock market is doing better than ever. But of course, that's a different economy. You know, that's not uh, that's a different you're not seeing it from the average consumer. They're seeing uh, they not that they see a, re a recession on the horizon, but they definitely don't see it reflecting in their pocketbook. So right. I think that, uh, can, you know, that politicians are are definitely seeing that we can't talk about the, the stock market. We can talk about grocery or a retailer. Uh, and well, I think that'll be interesting to see which one it comes to. Charlie, you're back. I'm back. That's the good news. Sorry about the interruption there. This has okay. been a, a bit of a challenge to get started today. But as you were talking about it, when we talked about this a little bit offline, a good story needs a villain, a victim, and a vindicator. And I think part of what food system stakeholders need to be able to do to not be cast as the villain in this story is to get out in front of it and to be talking more on their social media channels and through other channels about what they're doing to help consumers work through this period of time when they are experiencing relatively higher food prices. Uh, and it doesn't help when all the inflation reports come out and they say inflation is down with the exclusion of food and, and fuel, right? So they keep, they keep 
qualifying that. And so it makes it makes food an easy target, as you mentioned, for consumers who are feeling that. Now, clearly, that's not going to be for those who are uh, shopping the premium brands, but for those who are looking in the middle and trying to find a way to stretch that budget, this is a real issue that they have to deal with on, on a week-to-week basis. So I think it's going to be important for those companies to lean into that and communicate what they're doing to help consumers make it through it so they don't get cast as the villain. They embrace the pain that consumers are feeling and talk about how they're addressing that through pricing, value, adding additional deals, whatever it is, whatever their strategy is, I think this is the time for them to really lean into it because uh, this is going to continue to be an election year issue and you don't want to be in the crosshairs of that because it's difficult to get out once you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's going to be hard though for 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 the, for the you know, CPG or even retailers to turn that ship. I mean, some of these companies have taken price three, four, five, six times over the pandemic years. That's right. So to be able to reverse that is hard. So I'm sure you'll see it first as deals, whether personalized or, you know, abroad um, before it actually comes down. But as soon as one of them break a little bit, I think the rest will, too. Yeah, and I think I think deals are, are a fine way to talk about. It. I I just think you can't remain silent on the topic. No, right? you can't yeah. because if you remain silent on the topic, you're going to continue to be the target of of uh, political uh, attacks and media attacks because they're going to be looking for someone to blame. And yeah. you really have to position yourself as being on the on the side of consumer. You are consumer's advocate in this position. Otherwise, it just can get ugly very, very quickly. Yeah. So, Kev- Kevin, let's shift gears here and talk about uh, kind of the first topic in food stuff, the most recent issue, which came out last week. If you haven't seen it, you can certainly subscribe. Do they go to a different place to subscribe now? Can they go to food stuff as opposed to culture matters? Yeah, they can go to food stuff. I mean, if you just search that on Google or search culture matters on Google, it should bring it right up. Perfect, perfect. So a really interesting topic that you led with was antithetical innovation, and you gave several really interesting examples from uh, you know coffee that's hydrating to a whole new category of, of soft drink or soda, um, and and talked about the the opportunity for antithetical innovation, but then really gave four principles that companies have to follow if they're going to be doing it successfully. So yeah. walk us through the the idea of antithetical innovation, and then what are some of the watchouts? Yeah, so I actually had the idea, and I didn't put this in the newsletter, so you're getting a little bit of behind the scenes, but I actually had this idea a, a couple of years ago, looking at the rise of plant-based, because if you think about it, the the thing that the meat category has against it in some sense is that it's made of meat. (laughs) I mean, which some people really like, that's the good part, but there's other consumers that they don't. And so the rise of plant-based part of that was the idea that they took a benefit, uh, excuse me, a negative of the category, a a standard of the category and flipped it and said, you know, what you don't like about the category for some consumers is this. And it draws a lot of attention. Uh, It draws a lot of sense of, oh, wow, you know, I can enjoy the protein of the category without having the the negative for that particular consumer and the the way i kind of play it out in the newsletter is is that that's happening across different categories such as coffee you think what you know coffee for a lot of people they think yes it has caffeine in it which is nice but it also can be dehydrating so you see you know a lot of innovation happening especially with the niche players of hydrating coffee which seems almost oxymoron for the category. So you're seeing that across uh, a number of categories. And I find that really interesting because again, you know, we live in a time of attention and I think that attracts a lot of attention because you see a lot of stale categories that don't have more innovation of convenience or innovation of flavor to do. Now it's the flip. 
The dangers of that, though, of course, is, and I laid out in the newsletter, but, you know, skepticism, like, what is this? You know, like, really? You're going to be able to do this? And whether or not it fits with the brand. I mean, if your whole brand is about, you know, uh, developing the aspects of the category, flipping it can be really hard and, and can be met with skepticism. Uh, so I think there's a lot of, you know, potential negatives. The other one is I, I put is market readiness. Some categories, they still need more flavor development, more convenience development. So going in and trying to flip the whole category may be a little bit too early. Yeah, but Halo Top, you listed as one of the illustrations of of a category disruption, perhaps that, that antithetical innovation that did it yeah. well. What was it about Halo Top that made it successful? I think the, the how far they pushed it, because and we all remember, uh, you know, slow churn ice cream or diet ice cream or even, you know, uh, like a frozen yogurt type thing. But it was always just a, uh, you know, a, a re slightly reduced cat uh, aspect of, of the calories that you accepted in the ice cream category. They went all the way to, you know, you can eat the whole pint kind of thing. I think it was that is what did it. It really was shocking. Again, attention grabbing that they flipped the category uh, and said, now you can get protein, which you're like, what in ice cream, you know, like right. that kind of flip that you're getting positive benefits from a category that I was only, uh, you know, going to for maybe indulgence. That is, I think what really did it for Halo Top at the time. I mean, if I look at Halo Top, to me, what that flipping was about and why it was more successful is because it met multiple consumer needs. Yeah. And it also gained a following, if I remember right, with a fitness and health Absolutely. community, right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it wasn't, it, and it performed well. Like you weren't giving up a lot. So I, as you know, Kevin, I'm very intrigued by hydrating coffee. Mm -hmm. First of all, is it a need? I know coffee is a diuretic, so you could yep. argue that it's a need, but how big of a need is it? And what does mm. it do to the actual coffee? So mm. that that's where I think like the rubber hits the road is how motivating is it to the consumer? How much do I have to pay for it? And what's the trade-off? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I'm guessing that they probably looked at a group of people who were drinking quite a lot of coffee throughout the day and then saying what's the main negative that they see that they want the caffeine benefit without the, yeah. So it could yeah. be brilliant. It could be brilliant. It could be. It could be. And yeah, I don't have an opinion yet. It's a little yeah. early. Yeah, we I agree. We have an opinion, don't we? Yeah. Really, really interesting. So let's let's transition then to the to the next topic, which I found particularly interesting, and that's Maslow's marketing matrix. And Kevin, explain it a little bit, because I think most people are familiar, at least at some level, with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but how does that apply to marketing? And then I think the the, the key conclusion that you um, that you that you make, I think, is one that we frequently forget as you're marketing further up or further down the hierarchy. We assume that it's linear. Yes, I, that's the big takeaway. Is I mean, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs has, has been you know a, a, a strong trope within marketing, uh, probably you know used too much. But I always think it's interesting when it is used, people assume that you go up and you never come down the hierarchy. Right. You get to self-actualization and you that's it, you're done. But that's not true. In fact, Maslow never thought that. So it was more about like people kind of cycle between. They need the basic needs and they'd like to get to the top, or, the top part of the, of the hierarchy. And I think when you think about that from a food perspective and a food brand perspective or a beverage brand perspective, it really is about the idea that your brand or your portfolio should really be thinking across 
all of those needs. And the brand itself should be trying to message on aspects of that. If you're hitting too high, I think that it's it's a danger that you're always at the you know, uh, brand status perspective mm-hmm. or something, and you're not hitting some lower needs like the value aspects of it that we were talking about before, uh, or the idea of connection with others. So I think that you need to, and that's why I called it the Maslow's marketing matrix, is the idea of making sure that you're not going too high all the time, because I think that can be a serious danger. Mm-hmm. And I love this, Kevin, because I, it is, it's so comforting to think about things in a linear progression, right? Mm, yeah. um, and so it's not only over the life cycle of the consumer, but like getting down to the day to day. I mean, we all know throughout the day, your needs change moment by moment in terms of food and beverage based on the occasion. Yeah. And then throughout the week, there is a the week, um, you know, in addition to what our life stage is. So uh, I love this area because it's super rich, uh, super target rich, as, as you mentioned. And mm-hmm. um, it's a great way to like diversify a portfolio and, you know, figure out how to reach um, a consumer in multiple ways because they're so multifaceted. I could go on and on about need states and demand moments, but I won't. Yeah. Um, well, so I think you, you can get back to the, the first topic we were, we were talking about earlier today, where people are increasingly concerned about, about their food budget and how mm-hmm. far it's stretching, you may find them at different parts of the hierarchy, depending upon the product that they're buying. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm going to go here for, for perhaps meat and, and, and uh, protein products. I'm going to go here for produce. When I get to the center of the store, I might decide to just slide down a little bit and feel a little more comfortable with products that don't have the same price point because I can save a little bit there. And that helps me feel more comfortable about the other purchases that I've decided to make. So right. I think it really reinforces that. And, and you know, I'm, I'm a perfect example of that because I like to bring everything back to me eventually. Um, you know, I, I, I drive a foreign sports here goes, car. Here it goes. Yeah, but but I drive it to and from Costco frequently because that's where I buy most of my clothes, right? He does. So, yeah. he does. You know, perfect example of that because it, that's just kind of the way it works. My when I bought my first sports car, I asked my daughter if I should put you know midlife crisis on the side of it, and she said no, that would be redundant. So <laughs> no need to bother. No need to bother. I bet you're not alone though, Charlie, driving your sports car to Costco. No, I'm not. I, I we we were on vacation last week and and met a lovely couple gentleman who's a very successful lawyer in Florida, and his wife is very brand conscious in terms of what she wears, what she carries, earrings, purses, etc. And he and I were both celebrating the fact that we both buy our clothes at Costco. So we were doing high fives over the dinner table about uh, the fact that we perfectly comfortable in in some areas being brand conscious and brand sensitive, and in other areas we're much more comfortable saving a buck. That's a great example. That's a great example of of how, you know, maybe even within a a household, you can have different parts. The other thing I should say too is, and I don't think I mentioned it in the newsletter, but I think there is a, you know, a moving, um, a movement toward like mental health within food and Bev and all that kind of stuff. And again, that's something that doesn't go, it's not, that's, that's closer to the base of the, you know, this idea of safety, uh, and and mental comfort and you know that that I think is interesting too is that that's you're starting to see more of that within food and bev. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, I think it's about time for us to transition to the quiz. Oh, and uh, Kevin, what do you have in store for us today? What what, well, what did you pick so that I can beat Charlie, Kevin? Uh, well, I really <laughs> wanted to. I mean, last time we talked about like uh, I think it was uh, holidays in February, and I thought that went well. But I, instead of just doing holidays in Feb in March, I thought it would be just interesting to see what what kind of things we associate with March and what kind of like cool food 
information I could pop up about that? Because I know that you probably all, you know, crammed for the test here ahead of time. You were thinking. Oh, absolutely. Soda bread, corned beef. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And so I stayed away from all of that. Oh, I knew I knew it would not be. You never give us a clue. So I just just want the listeners to know. It's not right. It was basically all the things that I thought of when I thought of food and I thought of March. That's what it was. Buttered lambs. Yes, that's true. I haven't made a butter lamb in years, but I always remember that on my mom's table at Easter. I, I don't know if I still do, but I can picture it in my mind, a little aluminum. You can buy those. I think Land Lake, Lakes actually makes them for you, and you can buy them in the grocery store. Butter uh, Yes. Yeah, yeah, I know I you think can I've buy buttered it. bunnies and other they, – they do the shapes now in uh, in for you, so you don't even have to have the, have the mold. You don't, have, you don't have to make the mold, yeah. 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 I, who, who wants to cut into it, though? You don't want to cut into that it. That is the challenge. That yeah. is the challenge. Yeah. Some kids some kid at the table will. All right. So the first question, my, my first thing that came to my mind was Girl Scout cookies, because I'm getting a lot of ask, you know, you can't walk into a grocery store or, you know, uh, have your doorbell ring now this time of year without Girl Scouts being there. So the first question is about that. Which of the following is not a discontinued Girl Scout cookie flavor? Not a discontinued one. Yeah. What is not a discontinued one? So which of these never existed? Oh, which okay. of these never existed? Is it A... Golden Yangles, triangular cheddar crackers sold in the 80s. He said that with a straight face. What is a golden yangle? I don't oh, even know. Yeah. Oh, that, oh, that was the that's the that's the brand for the cheddar crackers. That's the that's the name. They always golden have fun names. Yangle. So was it was it a golden yangle? Was it a Vancho's vanilla and chocolate cremes? I'm gonna say creme instead of cream. Vancho? Vancho. V-A-N hyphen or not hyphen. Uh uh I'm making this up. Yes. Uh, these they came in an assorted box. And they were sold from 1974 to 1983. Was it Vancho's? Was it mango cremes with Nutrifusion, vanilla and coconut cookies filled with a tangy mango filled creme with nutrients derived from fruits? They were around until 2013. Or was it Happy Campers, chocolate, caramel, and marshmallow shortbread sandwiches sold in Sold between 1996 and 2001. So I'll read them again. Golden Yangles, Vancho's, Mango Cremes with Nutrifusion, or Happy Campers. Which one? I can't even get my head around the Yangles and the Banchos. Which of those did not never exist? It sounds like a bluegrass band. Hi, folks. We're the Yangles with your Banchos tonight. Is is that the one you're going with? Are you going? No, no, no. I'm going with the mango thing. I'm going the mango. Oh, that's what I'm going to go with. Okay, yeah. you can both you, go with it. You can both go there. Yeah. You are both wrong. That actually oh. existed. That actually existed. The one that never existed was Happy Campers. No. I made that and up. That's, sad. that's so intuitive. That's, that's so that's intuitive. The obvious one that's wrong. Golden yeah. Yangles existed. Vanchos, however, whatever that was supposed to be existed. <laughs> and, the golden and Mango Cremes with Nutrifusion existed. So, you yeah. know that there's going to be some like- kind of band now that comes out with a band name. I were the Yankles and Banchos. Well, it was interesting. They went into crackers, which I didn't know they ever did. Savory, right. which is interesting yeah. in the 80s, which is interesting. So good for them for being innovative. Nutrifusion, though. I mean, I, I just didn't see them doing a health play. I was that's, sure. That's, yeah, Apparently, that's it was strict. replaced in 2013 by cranberry citrus crisps, which I don't think exist either. No. So, all right. Number two. So no one got that one. Number two. March is full of noodles. It's National Noodle Month, if you didn't know that. I did not March know that. March 5th is National Eat Your Noodles Day. And the 20th is National Ravioli Day. Oh. And the 30th is National Turkey Neck Soup Day, which 
usually it's made with potatoes, but there are noodle variants. So that's you why. Think turkey include. next? Turkey neck soup. Oh, that's... neck. Yeah, yeah, oh, the neck. neck. I mean, you always do Thanksgiving, soup. right? You put the put the neck in with the water and then some onions that's, and you boil that for a while. Yes, but it's in March, so I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that doesn't fair. make any sense in March. Okay. Which company used to sell noodles before it became what it is today? Is it Nintendo, Volvo, Samsung, or Nokia? Which one started off selling noodles? What's the first one again? Nintendo, yeah. Volvo, yeah. Samsung, or Nokia? I'm going to say Samsung. Okay. Susan? I was going to say, I'll go Nokia. Yeah, it's either one of those. Charlie is correct. It is Samsung. Oh, I should have gone Samsung. Damn you, It wasn't until the 1970s that Samsung actually started selling electronics. Samsung. Well, that's, a, that's an obvious line extension. It is, isn't it? In, yeah. It, it was I would go immediately in... from noodles to selling televisions. Wait, well... are, are we going to talk about Colgate and the frozen lasagna? <laughs> I feel this is very... Very it old. was actually it was it was started off as a trading goods it trading goods like flour okay, vegetables sure, and dried fish sure. and it was it created its own noodles but interestingly enough Nintendo started off selling playing cards which is kind of a you can see how that would have went there yeah yeah. A, yeah, game, yeah a game a game yeah a game yeah all right Charlie's up number three what casual chain restaurant was the first to open at an international Air Force base? And it's also celebrating its 49th birthday in 2024, in March of 2024. Hmm. Is Air, it, an international air, air force base, an, a, a U.S. Yeah. international okay. air force base. Okay. okay. And it's 49 years old in March okay. of this year. So next month. Okay. All right. Is it Chili's Grill and Bar? Is it TGI Fridays? Is it Cheddar's or is it Applebee's? TGI Friday. Charlie? I don't see many Applebee's out there. Uh, I don't think I ever have. What are the other choices? Chili's, TGI Fridays, Cheddar's, Applebee's. I'll go Chili's. Charlie is correct again. Yeah. It is Chili's. Uh, Handen Air Force Base in Okinawa, Japan, is the first Chili's to open on an active Air Force Base. There are a lot of Chili's in airports. Twenty, <laughs> But an Air Force Base. So Air that Force that is base. Weird. Yeah, and a base. Weird. Yeah, in 2003, they started. Okay. Uh, next one. Easter this year lands uh, in March, March 31st, which Very means early. all things eggs, all things eggs. Now, I've made up all of the following facts about eggs, except one of them. One is a true egg fact. All right. I want you to tell me which one is the true egg fact. Okay. Which one is true? First one, in baking and ice cream making, if you don't have eggs, one of the best substitutes is blood. Blood? Blood. That's that's the first one. That's number two. It takes 48 hours for a hen to develop an egg. Okay. The word yolk means center. Or the fourth one here, D, you can tell the color of an eggshell a chicken will lay based on the color of their feet. So which one of these is not true? Which one of these is true? Oh, is only true. one is true. Only one is true. Only one is true. All right. So is blood, it 48 blood, hours. 48 hours. Yolk means center. Or you can tell the color of an eggshell based on the feet. I got to go with yolk means center. So you think that one's true. Okay. I think Susan? That one's true. 
I'm going to go with it, but because Charlie didn't say it, and I think he would know it, I'm probably wrong. I'm going to go with 48 hours to make an egg. You're both incorrect. The correct 24 answer, hours for, for a hand to make an egg. Correct answer is blood. Is it no way. If you do not have eggs, according to the Nordic Food Lab, if you do not have eggs, the best substitute is is blood. 65 grams of pig blood will substitute for one medium egg. Oh, my and God. That means that an average uh, 65 grams of pig blood will substitute for one medium egg. And you can use it in most baking and ice cream. You can make blood ice cream. It works really well. So an average pig equals about three to six dozen eggs. So, so essentially, if you run out of eggs, you go out and, and chase Miss Piggy around and then give her a little slicer and hope or donate right. into your cupcakes. Exactly. Although it's very difficult to get fresh. Blood. That's the Plus most disgusting thing I think I've ever heard. But it works. You can make a cake out of blood. Basically. Yeah. Well, yeah. remind me if you do and I'm not coming to your house. <laughs> so to kind of wrap up the rest of them, it actually takes 24 to 26 hours for a head to develop an egg. Okay. Yolk actually means yellow. So when you say oh. egg white... And yolk, you're actually saying egg white and egg yellow. That's what you're saying. Yolk means yellow. It comes from old English. And lastly, it's actually the earlobes of a chicken that tell you what color the shell is going to be. So white earlobes equals a white egg or lightly tinted egg, and red earlobes equal a brown egg. I didn't know that chickens had earlobes. Uh, they do. They do. And of course, you know, it can change a little bit. I thought it was the feather, the feather color that gave you an indication, but it doesn't, huh? It's the earlobe. I got to find a chicken. You got to find a picture of a chicken and see the earlobes. All right. Last question. Okay. Baseball season opening is March 28th this year. So we have to talk about hot dogs. So Susan might have the upper upper hand here. All right. According to the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council, which I know you're all very familiar with. Actually, Charlie Charlie might be very familiar. We we had Janet Riley on not not to. Right. That's right. We did. Yeah. What is the average weight of a baseball vendor's hot dog bin? Okay. Is it 10 pounds, 25, uh, excuse me, 10 pounds, 15 pounds, 25 pounds? What's the, I'm sorry, the average the weight bin. is not a hot dog. The bin that they, that vendor, you know, they have the bin with, they have all the hot dogs in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. How much does that weigh? Does the it bin itself or the bin with hot dogs in it? With hot dogs in it. Okay. Got it. Hot dogs. Is it the bin or just the hot dogs? I believe it's just the hot dogs. There was not a lot of information about the specifics on the hot dog and sausage council well, website. Is but it in the concession stand or like if they're carrying it and walking. I believe the, the way I take it is that if they're carrying it, you know, like the okay. little thing. Yeah. Okay. But what is, is, it a, is a cart or they're just carrying it around? Cart. A cart. It's a well, cart. cart. Yeah. 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 Bin. So it's got bin. wheels. That, that changes. Bin. Yeah. Okay. Well, 10 oh, pounds. Choices? 15 pounds. 25 pounds or 40 pounds? I'm going to go with 25. I'm going to go 15. According to the website, it's 40 pounds. What? Yeah. It was either 25 or four. Well, in the bin, because I mean, they're going to try to maximize. Exactly. They don't have to go back and get more. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So it's 40 pounds. Now, I do not know the specifics. Maybe this is with water, but I'm thinking it might be. I think it might be the hot dog. Well, there'll be some water in, anyway, and that. Oh, those, of course. That, that that bottom layer of dogs. No, thank you. No. Not my favorite. I'm gonna jump their dogs. Look, clearly my little league concession stand operation is way too small. Right. Yeah. Now you got to really up your game. Now you know <laughs> what the much, average. I don't is. have a cart Not either. Like I. I mean, I think I bought how much more I could sell. I, I have actually pitched this that we should be able to walk around and sell, and we should have an alcohol license, but the city will never allow Oh, boy, if you could get beer going with that, you would really make a lot more money, but the umpires would probably quit. 
Oh right. my goodness, the parents. For people yeah. that don't know, Susan is 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 temping dogs at the what where where you temp and, and, and serve dogs at Susan? Uh, Holland, Michigan. My my president is uh, my president home league. This is the second year term. So a little league. And, uh, volunteers don't uh, God love them. Yeah. All right. I, I spend believe... a lot of time working the little league. Uh, yes, I temp my dogs. I, that's that's good. Food safety is. Well, you, one. you guys laugh at me, but you know they're frozen, and I want to make sure no one gets a frozen dog. It's a bad. Yeah, experience. it would be a bad experience. Bad experience. Now everyone knows they came from frozen. That's right. Okay, we are out. Charlie, of time. I believe you won. I believe oh, you won. I did Charlie. win again. Yeah, but that's okay. Uh, it, it just becomes so commonplace at this point. It's like the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, right? What's one more? Wow! Wow, Charlie! Wow! wow. Yeah. Just wow. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. Okay. We appreciate you tuning in for Three Squares once again. On behalf of Kevin and Susan, we really appreciate your time. If you would like to connect with us, you can send an email at three squares, the number three, uh, followed by the word squares uh, at gmail.com. So I'm sorry, three squares mail at gmail.com. Three squares mail at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us. Otherwise, we'll connect with you again in March for the next edition of Three Squares. Thanks and have a great rest of your day. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.